What's the role of binding of the drug to the receptor? And further, how you understand the differences in responses of binding of different substances to the receptor? Today's head gonna throw a good light on this dilemma. Let me break the enunciation. Welcome all to Is Pharmacology Difficult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Vijay, MBBS MD, Pharmacology, and this is the audio hub to get the best simplified basic tips, strategies, methods, and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better, and make your concepts crystal clear. If you really find and if there's a question, Hovering in your minds is pharmacology difficult. Lend me your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. After knowing the thick and thins of receptor types and mechanisms, let's discuss the receptor occupation concept. That is the topic of the day. First and foremost, the drug binds to the receptor and it leads to the formation of the drug receptor or to abbreviate it we can say capital DR complex. The bonds that are present are the hydrogen bonds or they can be van der Waals bonds or they can be electrostatic bonds. And all these as for your information are actually weak bonds. This makes this interaction quite specific and reversible in nature. I hope you got it. But then, exceptions are always a part and parcel of everything. So it's not like this always. Sometimes there are covalent bonds and irreversible reactions too. One very classical example of such irreversible binding is the binding of organophosphates to the acetylcholine esterase. Now let's extend this string of talk further. I want to tell you all that there is a concept of stereoselective binding too. What do you mean by saying stereoselective? Yes, there are levo and dextroforms that bind to the receptor. Now let me clear one thing. If the binding results in the production of a pharmacological effect, then that particular site is labeled as receptor. That is how we define a receptor. It has to be accompanied with a pharmacological response. But if it is not accompanied with the pharmacological response production, it will be simply an acceptor site or it is also known as non-specific binding site. You cannot define that site as a receptor. Now that's very very clear, right? Now these set of words, where they direct us to? Well, they direct us towards the concept of affinity and efficacy. Now these terms are sounding quite familiar, no? Let's dive into these. Affinity is simply the binding of the drug to the receptor. 
and that leads to actual formation of the capital D or complex. That's it. Nothing to define beyond this. Let's turn our heads towards efficacy. Now, efficacy is also known as the intrinsic activity after the capital DR or the drug receptor complex is formed. The second step is covered too. There is a proper pharmacological effect seen. So, the formation of DR complex with the production of a proper pharmacological response is defined as the efficacy. Okay, two concepts of affinity and efficacy. And these two concepts actually give us multiple definitions. Now let's visualize the agonist and antagonist and of course partial agonist from this point of view. Please don't ponder over. It's complicated, not at all. I'm going to make it very, very simplified. The first, let's talk about agonists. They have a good amount of affinity and they have a good intrinsic activity. Because they usually result in the maximum response once they are bound to the receptor. That's very simple, right? Next, let's talk about antagonists. They have only affinity, they don't have efficacy, they bind to the receptor, but this binding, it leads to nowhere. Rather, they may block or interfere with the response of agonist. And very classical example of this situation is the binding of atropine to the muscarinic receptors and blocking the effects of acetylcholine. Now, let us know the answer of the question why the binding at the same site leads to response production difference by the agonist and the antagonist. Let's make this whole thing quite comprehensible. Now, this is gonna be very well understood with the elaboration of the concept of receptor occupation theory. We can also call it as a dual receptor nature. Now, we believe that receptor has two states. One, it is found in the active state that is termed as capital R small a. And the other one is the inactive state that is termed as capital R small i. Now, both these states, ra and ri, they are in normally found states. They are in equilibrium. And rather to comment, I would say that Mostly, up to a very slight extent, the inactive condition is favored. Now, let's imagine the agonist is proposed to bind at the RA conformation. So, the equilibrium shifts in this direction. There is a proper response C. What happens when an antagonist arrives? If it is a competitive antagonist, it will bind to the RI conformation with a very good amount of affinity. And with the same amount of affinity, it will also bind to the RA site. So, a competitive antagonist 
very well binds to both RA and RI conformations with equal affinity. Now, when it is binding with the equal affinity to both RA and RI, what do you say? Will there be any shift of equilibrium? No, there won't be any shift of equilibrium and that leads to no response. What is the condition or what is happening when a partial agonist arrives? Now, if the partial agonist has an affinity for RA slightly more than RI, the agonist binds a little more to RA, there is shifting of equilibrium, but that is not maximum. Complete shifting of equilibrium does not occur. It leads to a submaximum response and that is the action in case of partial agonist. That's very well understood. Now we have another ligand as inverse agonist. Hope you have heard the term. Now inverse agonist has a good affinity for the RI conformation. Strange, right? So if it possesses a very good amount of affinity for the RI conformation, it has the capability to generate the response in the opposite direction. Opposite direction of the therapeutic effects. I hope that's very clear. Now one more situation I want to talk about at this particular moment. I think it's the right time to comment upon the constitutive activation. This is exhibited by benzodiazepine. This is exhibited by adrenergic beta-1 receptors, by cannabinoid receptors and few more to talk. What happens when the response is seen in the basal state, then this state is termed as the constitutive activation. That is, response is generated even in the absence of an agonist. Now, this hypothetical model of the dual receptor nature actually explains the functional part of most of the neurotransmitters. But as the research has advanced, we find receptor does exist not only in two states, but multiple conformations. Fingers crossed. Now let's quickly define the agonist. It has affinity and intrinsic activity can be ranging from plus one to minus one. So it has intrinsic activity as plus one. And good examples, rather classical examples for agonists are adrenaline and morphine. Coming over to antagonists, they have the affinity, but they have no intrinsic activity. Their value is zero. And classical examples are atropine and naloxone. Coming over to partial agonists, they have affinity. And their intrinsic activity ranges from 0 to plus 1. Good example, buspiron at 5-HT1A receptors. We'll talk about it when the system arrives. Next, let's come over to inverse agonist. It also has an affinity 
and the intrinsic activity possesses a negative sign it ranges within 0 and minus 1 range and it exhibits up to a certain level constitutive activation and what is the example for inverse agonist it is the beta carboline which is an inverse agonist at the benzodiazepine receptors that is the actions or the effects are produced in the opposite direction to that of the therapeutic responses what can you expect from the action or the effects of inverse agonists like beta-carboline? It can lead to the generation of anxiety, seizures, etc. That makes its effect very clear. Inverse agonists can show such opposite effect by deactivating the receptor even in the absence of an agonist. So, in one way, you can call this negative antagonistic response. But please, now at this particular moment, I think it's the right time to differentiate the inverse agonist from the competitive antagonist. Inverse agonist can show constitutive activation, that is, effect negatively can be seen even in the absence of an agonist, while competitive antagonists require an agonist. They cannot function in the absence of an agonist. Now, I hope you got this difference. So, both the states, they are difficult to delineate sometimes, but there is a difference. And I'm sure you understood it well. Now, with this belief, let me put a signature remark before I pen down this episode. You know what? Faith is to believe what you cannot see. And what is the reward of this faith? The reward of this faith is actually to see what you believe. So what you believe is what you receive. That's amazing. For all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast, do visit www.isfarmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine which actually contains a lot of updates about medical sciences, drug information updates, and my podcast updates also. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name. Is Pharmacology Difficult? If you are listening for the first time, do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes, Apple Podcast. Stay safe, stay happy, stay enlightened. Thank you.